Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Opaluski, and a special guest. How are you today, John? Hey, Jim. I'm doing good. It's uh, good to see you and uh, good catching up a little bit before we started recording today, talking yeah. about our granddaughters and the grandbabies and uh, <laughs> uh, lots of fun uh, that we have with them over Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the common phrase was how, how easily we're manipulated. Is that, is that the phrase yes. that came up between the, the three of us? Yeah. 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 So All why, why don't you introduce us, that. Uh, introduce us to number three, our, our third equally uh, manipulated soul here on the podcast today. <laughs> well, Jim, we're uh, delighted to have uh, a good friend of ours and one of our Converge coaching teammates and, a, and an amazing pastor on the podcast with, uh, with us today, Paul Firestein. Uh, Paul pastors in Helena, Montana, a wonderful church. And uh, Paul and I have known each other. I, I think we're inching up on 40 years almost that we have known wow. each other. We both had a full head of hair when we met for the first <laughs> time. And, uh, and Paul has just become a, a, a great friend. He is an amazing teammate, Jim, as you, as you know. Yeah. And uh, just somebody who speaks uh, a pastoral language and uh, really has something, I think, worth uh, hearing. Uh, if you're a leader today, if you're leading anything, uh, I think this podcast will be a tremendous blessing to you. So, Paul, yeah. welcome. Thanks for being with us. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. Excited for an opportunity to join you a little bit and spend some time chatting. Yeah. You know, we, we had talked about you're, you're an amazing pastor, but I, you pastor an amazing church in Helena. I, I, John, I have remarked several times what a blast it is to talk to your people because they're just, I don't know, they're just engaged. They're alive. They're fun. They get it. You know, the Holy Spirit's moving. So it's, it's, uh, I, I guess, you know, as we talk about you as the pastor, they say the church becomes like the pastor. I, I hope that that's not absolutely true, but I, I, I see the point that maybe some of that is true, right? So you, how did you come to the Lord? How did you become you? I, I've seen the church. We've had lots of conversations, been a lot of meetings together, but I'm not sure I actually know your story. What What is your story, your faith yeah, story? Yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to share my story with you. Uh, you know, coming to faith and following Jesus is kind of a fam- family ordeal for us, Um mm-hmm. And so a big part of my story actually is related to my folks. I was, uh, when I came to faith and put my and started following Jesus, I was a little boy in Flint, Michigan, uh, four years old. Uh, wow. My dad and mom were both raised in a very religious kind of setting, went to a religious school all the way through high school. Uh, in my dad's late teen years, in early 20s, he decided that he was at least agnostic, if not atheist. Mm-hmm. So he he thought, well, if there is a God, I can't know him. And I'm not even sure there is a God. And he drank a, a lot, uh, way too much. My mom had a lot of suicidal ideation going on, very depressed, and actually had planned uh, planned to end her life when she turned 25 years old. So that's kind of the environment that I was in. That's not a, it's not a secret kind of thing. It's just where our family was at. And this couple that my dad uh, went to high school with, uh, Lee and Chris Pavla, um, they drove all the way back from Portland, Oregon, 
uh, in the cutoff jeans in the early 70s, you know, in the old lawn chairs, sat in the backyard of our house in Flint, Michigan, and just started unpacking Jesus to my dad and wow. to my mom. And I mean, it was a, it was a risk and it took a lot of courage uh, for them. But um, through a series of events and all kind of highlighted around that that moment, uh, my folks gave their life to Jesus and my brother and I did as well. And honestly, I mean, it changed everything about our life. Uh, yeah. We didn't have a perfect home. You know, everything, you know, it, it everything didn't just suddenly become rosy, but we all experienced forgiveness from our past, hope for mm. our future, healing and relationships, uh, a lot of the anger and vitriol and stuff like that that was in the home, you know, uh, disappeared and it's just, it's just been an amazing thing. I, I thank God. As a matter of fact, a couple of years ago, I wrote Lee and Chris a thank you note uh, <laughs> for being courageous and, and coming uh, to our house and telling my family about Jesus. <clears throat> Love it. And and then what happens? Now you're you're four years old at this part of the story. Yeah, you know, my dad uh, worked for Buick. He was a, a he was a welder at Buick. Okay. He always yeah. wanted to be a teacher, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, a position opened at the Career Opportunity Center for high school students in Saginaw, right. Michigan. He applied <laughs> among really hundreds of candidates and got the job. He taught welding for a number of years at wow. the Career Opportunity Center. Our family moved to Saginaw. And, you know, there was really um, what helped develop our faith. We got plugged into a small group uh, of people yeah. from very different uh, Christian backgrounds, you know, uh, Lutheran, Catholic, Assembly of God, you know, a a broad mix. Um, And then uh, got connected with um, First Assembly of God in Saginaw. And between the church and the small group that my family was involved in, it's cultivated our faith and helped us to grow. Um, Yeah, and had a major impact on our life. Right on. Well, that's such a great story. Uh, And I've heard you tell it uh, before. But man, it's I feel as much emotion, oh yeah, right now as when you told it to me the first time, and uh, it's just it's always great to hear how Jesus comes into a scenario like yours, and look at all of the amazing fruit that's come out of it all these years yeah. later. Only only Jesus can do that, and yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, it's just so inspiring, you know. Um, you know, Paul, you're. You're a, a leader's leader in my mind. Um, and the other day, I uh, I was I was working with a group of leaders. There's probably about 25 of them in a room. And after I was all done, uh, she came up. She's an intern at one of the churches that was represented at this meeting, and she asked me this question. And I just I love the the openness or the teachability that was behind this. She said, John, how do you know what God is calling you to do? And uh, and so I spent some time, uh, there was a, a whiteboard in there, and you guys know me, right? So like I, I started drawing stuff on the whiteboard for her, and we had three or four things that we worked through together in about 15 minutes. But I wondered, you know, Paul, how did you sense the call of God on your life and, and, and follow that. I mean, can you, can you tell us that part of yeah. your journey? I would love to. And um, I, I, I'd like to just maybe start by saying, I think that 
discovering what God wants us to do with our life or his call, a lot of it has to do with just the word trust. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because a lot of times we worry, am I doing the right thing? Am I following the right path? You know, am I doing what God wants me to do? And we just have to trust. Uh, He's a good shepherd. And the job of the shepherd is to get the sheep to where they need to be. So even if I mess up, like God's very good at getting us to where we need to be. And hopefully that takes a little of the fear and apprehension you know, out of it. Um, but, I, you know, my story and the reason I say that, you know, sensing God's leading in my life. Um, so I was a very shy and introverted kid. Um, excessively so. I couldn't even have it. I couldn't have a conversation with an adult without crying. Um, get, maybe getting overly personal, I think still in third grade. I would wet my pants in school because I was afraid wow. to ask the teacher to wow, use the man. bathroom. I mean, wow. that introverted. So wow. um, I was in a service. Uh, and again, this doesn't happen for everyone. But you, if you understand the context of my story, I was in a service taking communion uh, when I was probably 12 years old. And um, I, I broke the little wafer of bread. And this is the only time in my life I've had this happen. I had this vision and I was giving communion to people. And the pastor of the church got up front and he said, hey, there's someone here. You just had a vision that you're giving communion to people and God's calling you into ministry. <laughs> Which, if you knew uh, if you knew my story and you knew what I was like as a kid, I needed something like that. You know, there's yeah. no way. But the thing <laughs> I want to highlight is even God speaks clearly. There's it's still confusing because. Mm-hmm. um I thought I was going to, I, you know, I was born in Flint, grew up in Saginaw. I really thought when God called me into ministry all the way up through Bible college, that I was going to work in an inner city somewhere. And I've been a pastor in White Cloud, Michigan, and I'm in Helena, Montana, and it's very far. I am not in an inner city. Matter of fact, my boys, um, you know, when we first moved to Helena, which is much larger than the small town in White Cloud I pastored, my boys uh, and I were looking out the apartment window we were staying in, and they asked me, where's the ghetto in Helena? And I said, boys, you're living <laughs> in it right now. <laughs> you know, so um, so even though it was very clear, my calling uh, that I was supposed to be in ministry, my perception of what that would look like. I think was very different than what God intended. And so sometimes it's it's messy and I wrestle with what I'm sensing, if that makes sense. It's always messy for me. Oh, it makes sense because you, you you say that, you know, even when you hear it, even though Moses heard it directly, it was still confusing. You know, it's, it's yeah, yes. that's good. Well, that's just, you know, that, that's such an interesting thought, right? Because I think you had such a clear moment where that call was delivered to you. I don't think it could get much clearer that God was yeah. speaking to you. Yes. Um, but isn't it interesting how we have to many, many times there's there's stuff in between the call and the actualization of that call or the, the realization yeah. of it. I'm thinking of King David. Um, he gets anointed by Samuel to be king, and he really didn't get to that stage of his his journey i don't know how many years it was i I don't maybe 15 years something like that and it wasn't 15 smooth years for david yeah Yeah. and and i and i think sometimes that's where some confusion comes in almost right you you heard a call from god 
and you're confident that he is calling you to some sort of ministry, and then you've got to go through stuff. Yes. To arrive yeah, you know, on the on the other side of that. Yeah. You know, I I I thought about, you know, when I landed in White Cloud and felt like God was leading me there. And then in Helena, you know, each of those situations was very messy and it was a prolonged period of time, right? And yeah. just had to wrestle through things. And I on this side, I'm 50, I'm 55. And sometimes I wonder if the question we're asking about guidance or even the whole following Jesus, if we're not off a little bit, and the question is more about who are we becoming more than where are we going or what are we doing? You know, and I, I, I cause I think about the disciples, um, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, some of them got up and preached and thousands came to Christ. Others of them just invited their friends to meet Jesus. You know, it's so what they did was very different, but who Jesus made them was really what the journey was all about. And, and so that that's helped me a lot to focus on who am I becoming as preparation for, you know, because God's going to get me to where he wants me to be. He will do that. Huh. Yeah, that's good. I think everybody needs to hear that God's going to get yeah. you where he needs you to be. That's a good, that's yeah. a good one. It's funny. I, I had a friend of mine. He was, uh, he was shot down in World War II. was a bomber pilot taught me how to play racquetball in the eighties. And I'm, I'm getting out of my, my training stage and I'm going to, I'm going to take a position and I don't know how to make the decision, but I know my wife's in one of these places. You know what I mean? I, I know my, my destiny is out there and I don't want to blow it. So I said, Charlie, how do you make this decision? He said, well, well what do you want to do? It, it doesn't matter what I want to do. I want to be in the center of God's will. I'll suffer. I'll, I'll die. I'll, but I, I want to be in the center of God's will. And he goes, you know, is it possible that God's big enough to be in both directions? And theologically, I'm like, no, no, it doesn't make any sense at all. You know, there's obedience and there's disobedience. But I, I agree. I, I think that even when we're faithless, Paul tells Timothy, he's still faithful. And, and faithless doesn't mean, uh, you know, unfaithful. It means I, I just don't have the faith to know what to do. So I, I, I know that God connects dots. You know, speaking yeah. of connecting dots, you've been in all sorts of different, um, you know, big churches, small churches, big towns, small towns. You, as the stories kind of elapsed as you've been, you've been sharing it, as it unfolded. <clears throat> like, what, what is it that's unique about where you are? You know what I mean? But, but in, in, like in your current context, but overall, because of your, your perspective, what, what is universal everywhere you've gone? And, yeah. and what have you learned about specifically in White Cloud or maybe specifically in Helena or specifically in, in Saginaw that might be helpful to people that are listening? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll talk a little bit about, I'm in Helena, Montana. And Montanans <coughs> are, um, are as far west as you can go from the, like the Midwest. It's the, it's the edge of the Midwest, you know, and it's yeah. really the wild, wild west. So yeah. we always laugh. If you put a, if you see a sign around, Montana that says no shooting, it'll be full of bullet holes. Yeah. Um, you know, I once sent uh, some staff, we, we, this, this literally happened. We sent some of our staff to Chicago for a training uh, years ago. And some of them were from the Midwest, you know, Chicago area, Michigan, other parts of the staff were from Montana and they're at a meeting together. And the speaker says, okay, I want everyone to stand up and get in a line. And everyone from the Midwest on our team stood up to get in a line. And everyone from Montana on our team remained seated. 
And the yeah. people from the team who were from Montana said, what are you guys doing? And they said, the guy told us to get in line. And they said, the other teammate said, no one's going to tell us what to do. That is Montana <laughs> right there encapsulated. So, uh, wow. um, you know, it's you. It, it requires unique leadership in that sense, you know. And I think an axiom of ministry is we have to adjust to the sheep uh, or the flock wherever yeah. we're at. And yeah. it's it, it so that applies across the board, but it's um, the 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 flock in one congregation can be very different than the flock in another, and just where they're at, and just being able to adapt. Um, some of the things I think axioms or you know things I've learned about ministry that are across the board that I I thought I'd just like to mention. One is that every shepherd or every under shepherd or every pastor has to remember that they're a sheep. Yeah. You, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, whether you're pastoring a small church or a large church. So I have a propensity to, um, I'll give everything. Uh, I'll pour out. I'll do anything and everything I can. Sometimes to the cost of my family, I've done that before, you know, right. where yeah. I, I, I um, my wife and I decided we used all our retirement to help support us early in ministry. You know, we, mm-hmm. we spent all of our money. We, we didn't look for a job where we got paid the most. Um, and, um, you, you know, we did those things and we did them gladly. Uh, I know that there are other people who think about ministry about, you know, what's beneficial for them and, you know, get, getting themselves in the right position. That's, that hasn't always been my situation, but I have to remind myself that I'm also a sheep. It's not about pouring out to other people all the time that I need to follow Jesus myself. And I'm not going to be healthy if I'm not thinking of myself in that way. Right. So small church can be extremely busy. You can do everything from taking out the garbage to, being on a cleanup crew to painting to yeah. preaching. And often, you know, my first 11 years, 10 years, I worked a secular job as well. So, yeah. you know, uh, it's super busy being part of a large church. Uh, again, same thing. There's there's a million things to do. And I have to remember, I'm not, I'm not just an under shepherd who cares about the sheep. I'm also a sheep who needs right. to be taken care of by Jesus. That's I think so that's good. a super important truth for pastors across the board. Um, Maybe I'll just roll into a couple others real quick. One, um, I think this is, this, this is helpful. And I know you guys have written a book about this, but um, I need to remember that people don't belong to me. They belong to God and the church doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jesus. And I I just kind of highlight this because people are going to come and go. um, And this is a painful part of ministry and you have to learn to be able to love people deeply and hold on loosely mm-hmm. um, because uh, there, there's a lot of pain that can be wrapped up in people coming and going. We're in a very transient society. I mean, we've gone through stuff with COVID. Every pastor out there has been through, you know, different people rolling in and out. And yeah. I just I just want to encourage people to make sure you don't make people who leave your enemy uh, you, 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 we don't chase them, but we also, but we leave the door open for them. You know, our, our hearts are open. I I think that's super important to remember. Um, this is God's church. And I drill into that a little bit with you, Paul. So, so that, that, that 
realization that this thing belongs to to God, not me. How else does that help you? I mean, it, it helps. Oh. You you connected the dots to like, when people leave, and 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 we all know that's painful. Maybe the most painful thing yeah. that ever happens to us as a leader yeah. is that. Yeah. Um, how else does that understanding help you as a leader? Oh man, when when I'm healthy about it and thinking clearly, it t- it lifts the load immensely from my shoulders because yeah. I, I, you know, I feel like a little kid that God said, Hey, you can come help me, you know, <laughs> uh, and you, yeah. you can carry some firewood, you know, and I feel like <clears throat> I'm doing a big part, but really the heavy lifting's up to God. I I've, I've sat in the front row of church before during, you know, just some drab times where like, Oh, it, the church didn't feel great and nothing seemed to be changing. And literally feel God speak to me in worship time. He's like, you have no idea what I can do. Yeah. And hmm. you you have to trust me, right? And those moments where you realize this belongs to him, he loves these people way more than I do. And it's not about human uh, effort or ability. It's really just a partnership. Uh, it's so freeing when you recognize that. Yeah. Very life-giving. That's so good. Yeah. You know, I... It's so interesting that you brought that one point up. Um, I'm not pastoring a church. I, I'm I'm pastoring pastors and our team pastors, pastors, but I, I'm also the, the CEO of our company too. And, um, you know, we've had a, an amazing year. Uh, 2022 was an amazing year for us. And, and I felt pressure. Like I got to outdo myself. We got to outdo ourselves mm. next year. and. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if anybody will listen to the podcast anymore because I admitted that. <laughs> but <clears throat> I was praying about that. Just I th- it might even have been this morning. I was praying about it, and it was almost like I got the sense, like God said, "John, I got it." You know, hmm. you know, I've got it. Really, I really have it. Just yeah, follow me, and. And you know, walk through the doors I open for you, and and be faithful, and it'll shake out really well for you. And um, kind of hear that, and it and it is, isn't it awesome to really when you get that? I I wish I could live in that twenty four seven three sixty five that that state. I don't, but when I do have those moments of clarity, it's that exact same feeling that you said. I just feel like all the pressure's off. Yeah. It's almost like God wants to be God in this, doesn't it? (laughs) You know, and I I say that jokingly, but I I say that sincerely in that that sometimes like, okay, this is on me. I've got to, you know, I've got people working for me. I got people on my team. I got to maintain my church. My church has to grow. My, me, my, my, you know, and almost every once in a while, it's like, no, okay, never mind. I just, I just work here. <laughs> I don't know what time the potluck is on Thursday, but somehow I'm here. You know what I mean? Like I, I just gotta, I just gotta let God be God. I'm a lot, I'm a lot happier when He is than when I am. Yeah, you know, yeah. but life makes a lot more sense when He's God and He's the sustainer, creator, protector, provider. And I'm, I'm, I'm involved in the Father Son Project. When I'm building a tree fort with my dad, it's awesome. Yes. When I'm the CEO of a multinational, multi-million dollar you know, uh, thing that, then that's, yeah, that feels pretty orphan. Like, yeah. Hey, Paul, you said, are there any other 
like hey common one, threads that you'd like yeah, to share. Yeah, there's with there's one other big big one that I kind of I, I thought about sharing is you know it, and this applies again across the board whether you're a big church or a little church or you're struggling. I just I just think that there's this idea that we need to be be believing the best about where we're at. Mm, um, that's good. Yeah, that that's we're good. always looking for uh, what is God doing? That we're always looking for, hey, we God had this is his church. I, I believe the best about the people that are here. I'm given the benefit of the doubt. I'm looking for the strengths of the church that I'm pastoring. You know, um, every church I've served in in, in White Cloud, the, the the first Sunday I was in White Cloud, Michigan, there were 35 people in church. This the second Sunday, there were 28 people in church, mm-hmm. you know, and um and it was summer. I mean, it went down from there, but you know, a lot of other people didn't see the same thing that I saw, the potential. Mm-hmm. And you know, that that little church grew and grew to, you know, 280 or 300 people in a no community kidding. of 1,200 people. Yeah. You know, so um, same thing in Helena. Uh, matter of fact, we talked about messy decision-making. You know, my wife thought I was having a, some kind of breakdown when I said, it's time to leave White Cloud. So she asked me to go see a counselor, which I did, you know, and, and lo and behold, you know, after a couple of years, it, it was a God thing, but even my counselor said, Hey, the church in Helena seems to be in winter, you know, winter season. And are you sure that you really want to face that challenge with a congregation? But I just saw potential there that, right. You know, other people didn't see. And, if you don't see that potential or you're not optimistic on some level, uh, ministry becomes drudgery, you know, and yeah. um, you you start focusing on the negative and And that I think that applies across the board wherever you're at. Um, and whatever people are in situation wise, I've probably on some level been there. Like we've been through it all, you know, yeah. uh, but you have to keep believing the best about the, about God's church, the people he's put around you and what, what he wants to do. Yep. I love that perspective. Yep. That's so good. You know, yeah. Paul, you said something and we're getting, actually, Jim, we're getting close to time here. You're going to need yeah. to wrap us up. Paul, would you come yeah. back for another yeah. one? Absolutely. Uh, I'd love to do okay, that. Okay. Cause we got more we want to talk about. But you said something earlier that really caught my attention. You you talked about adjusting to the sheet. I'm wondering if what what the healthy version of that is and maybe what the unhealthy version of that could be. And that's totally not on our question list. Um, So if you need to take a minute to think that through, that's fine. But I'm wondering about that. Is there what's that? look like in a healthy setting yeah. and what could it look like if it was un if we got unhealthy and adjusting yeah. you know well um when it's unhealthy uh it becomes a great weight again upon a pastor right when we uh when we feel like it all depends on us the pace that we take uh you know um i think there was a book um that came out a while ago about how you know we have to just take crazy wild ownership, right? 
And um, I think sometimes a pastor will do that. And then the authors of the book had to come back and rewrite the book. They said, don't take crazy <laughs> wild ownership because everyone's going to let you do that. You know, um, that's yeah. very unhealthy, actually. But wow. when I talk when in a healthy sense, it's uh, sometimes slowing down the pace uh, so that you can connect with the people where they're at. Sometimes it's, you know, wading through their fears or apprehensions when you'd really like to get some things moving or done. Um, sometimes a healthy way to do that is, hey, this is the clear direction we're going to go. Um, and I understand if you can't stay or you have to leave or you you disagree and you're angry, right. I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to love you there, but I'm not going to uh, let your opinion um change you know what where we need to go or what we need to do there's a lot we could explore with that but i i think there's a lot to be said for just caring for people and connecting with them where they're at without with keeping in mind hey i'm also a sheep and i need to be healthy and let's connect and then move forward together yeah i I was thinking about the, the bobby knight john wooden uh, approach to coaching. Yeah. Yep. So Bobby Knight had a system, and if you didn't fit in his system, you were out. Yep. You know, he coached a certain way, didn't yeah. matter. You were going to adapt to him. John Wooden coached to the talent yes. that he had. And I and I wonder sometimes as leaders, if you know we could learn something from John Wooden. That you know that we work with the the people God gives to us, and that shifts over time, yes. and and we make adjustments accordingly. Uh, when I helped our church plant uh, a campus many years ago, um, somebody asked me, "When are we going to start small groups?" And my answer was, "When we have enough leadership to run small groups." Yeah, and 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 so. Yeah, I thought small groups were important, but I wasn't willing to start something we didn't have enough uh, right. leadership for. And and so is that part of the adjustment too? It, it, even in that practical way, Paul. That absolutely. And again, case, case in point. So when I was in White Cloud for almost twelve years, we never did a Christmas Eve service, and we didn't have the talent to really pull off anything significant. Here, uh, we have a gal that literally decorates. Uh, is invited to decorate all over the town and our church building inside is the nicest building of any building in Helena, Montana at Christmas time, people come in to get their pictures taken. And so, you know, if I try to compare white cloud to Helena in that area, it's a gifting that's here that we want to make use of. And we do that here and we couldn't do it there. That church had other strengths though, that, that they could accomplish in that town that we can't, we can't pull off here. Right. And so I, I think that is exactly what I'm talking about, John. You know, you you adjust to who's there, skills, abilities, talents, heart. Yep. Yep. That's a big part awesome. of it. Right on. Well, guys, this has been great. And uh, Paul, I, I look forward to the next conversation we get to have on this because it's, I, I think, hearing, again, perspective that you were you were younger and now you're not as young, you, you know, it's smaller, you know, larger church, all the different dynamics, but to, but to find the common threads, I just talk about when people leave, it hurts. That's not, that hasn't gone away. So the, 
the 25 year old that just lost his first family from his congregation knows he's not crazy. Everybody feels this way. No one's going to get good at this. It's always going to be hard, but remember these things and the various axioms are just very helpful. So I I hope that you have enjoyed today's podcast. I I know that by now you probably know that you want to continue a conversation with us about health, about growth, about strength, about your team, about whatever it is that we, we have access to helping you in. You just go to convergecoach.com. We uh, put aside 30 minutes. One of the team members will spend that time with you. One of the three faces uh, or or others can be on this call. And uh, we'll find out if there are ways that we can bring value to what you're doing. And um, part of this podcast is not, it's not a hook to get you to make that phone call or you to click that link. This is, we just do this. We did, as a matter of fact, we didn't even have a link for the first two years. I don't think John did. that, That came up later. So we love you guys. We're praying for you. If you're listening to this Tuesday morning, congratulations. You didn't quit on Monday. And uh, that makes you a hero. So God bless you as you continue to lead from alignment.